Book Dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Hello, and welcome to Book Dreams, the podcast for everyone who loves books and has ever wondered about them. I'm Julie Sternberg, author of a number of children's books, including Like Pickle Juice on a Cookie and its sequels, and the Top Secret Diary of Celie Valentine series. And I'm Eve Yohalem. I'm also a children's book author. My books include The Truth According to Blue and Cast Off, The Strange Adventures of Petra de Winter and Brom Broen. In each episode of this podcast, we consider a book-related question. And in this episode, we explore uh, books. <laughs> Specifically, two books we've just read as part of our two-person book club. The first one is The Summer Book by Tova Janssen, and the other book is Everything Inside, which is a collection of short stories by Edwidge Dandekot. Oh, my God. We chose so well. <laughs> we Did we not? so well. <laughs> so excited. And we've been really good. We have not discussed these with each other at all, other than to say that we adored them. So our conversation can be totally, totally fresh. I read the summer book first, then I read Everything Inside, and I finished Everything Inside several days ago, and I haven't started any other book since because I loved them so much. I just wanted to sit with them. Yeah. It's very hard to find something else that feels like it's going to be good enough to dispel, you know, the feeling. The greatness. They're so different, too. It's not like... So different. And for each of them, I read the first story. Everything Inside is a short story collection, and the summer book has a series of vignettes that tell one big story. But I read the first of each, and I thought, this might be the my favorite thing that I've ever read. Right. I know. I know. And if you haven't read them, they're both short, and they're both wonderful, and I can't recommend them enough. But before we get into it, can I tell you my story about what happened yesterday when I went to the bookstore? I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Also, a fresh story. I've been dying to tell you about this since (laughs) yesterday. So I went into town yesterday, and I had a plan to go to the bookstore. And when I say plan, I had no plan. I had no agenda. I hadn't pre-ordered anything. I was going to go to the bookstore and just browse for the first time since the pandemic started. And I was so excited. And I get to the bookstore and I walk in through the front door, not the side door, which is what I had to do when it was closed. Right. And I walk in and it's all the books and I'm going to browse at leisure and then buy whatever calls to me, you know, that wonderful, wonderful feeling. And, you know, it was like millions of cats, books here, books there, books everywhere. And I look around and I'm drawn to the first title and I discover that I have forgotten my reading glasses. Oh, so I can see the books and I can see their titles, but I can't read the jacket copy or the first page. So I can't browse. Oh, no. There should be an app for that, like a magnifying. I think there is. I didn't think to use it. But Julie, do you know what it reminded me of? No. Okay. It reminded me of Giacomo Menghi's Compendium, which is the 16th century Italian exorcism text that my son Joe... How did I not think of that? How did that not leap to mind? I'll explain why. So this is the book that Joe translated for his religious studies thesis. It's a description of all the various ways demonic 
possession happens. And then it also has all the spells for casting out the demons. And so, and there's this one part that really got to me where one of the ways that Satan can present himself is by taking the form of whatever it is you most desire. And then at the very last second, just as you're about to possess it, whipping it away, which you know, oh. you can see the connection, right? That's what happened to me. Yes. Satan was in the bookstore. Satan was in the bookstore. Yes. So there were three examples in the compendium that I want to share with you. One was St. Anthony who coveted gold. And so a demon appeared as a giant pile of gold and then disappeared just at the last moment. And then there was a monk and he wanted to commit filthy acts with a gorgeous young woman. And, you know, she mm. disappeared at the last minute. So <laughs> these are the things that men most desire, right? Money and sex. And then there was a third example of what a woman wanted. And in this case, there was a nun. And what she wanted most of all was a head of lettuce. Oh, come on. I swear to God. (laughs) So it was not only an exploration of the demonic world, it's a commentary on the appetites of men and women as no, seen through the on. lens. No, it's, of, it's a commentary a, on the of a 16th stunning, century exercise. Staggering lack of imagination of men. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because that lettuce, I'm sure it was just juicy and delicious, you know. <laughs> so that's my story that I, I wanted to share. Should we get to the books? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the authors first. Yes. So the summer book was written by Tova Janssen, who was born in Helsinki, and she was both a visual artist and a writer. So her first illustration was published when she was just 15 years old. And then and when she was 19, she published her first picture book under a pseudonym. And then she attended art schools in Stockholm and Paris and returned to Helsinki, and that's where she created her most favorite character, Mumentrol, who featured in a long-running comic strip and in a series of books for children that have been translated throughout the world. They've inspired films and television series and opera, theme parks in Finland and Japan. She also wrote novels like The Summer Book and short stories. And I just realized that she has not only the summer book, which we've read, but also the winter book. Ah, maybe we know what we're reading next. So (laughs) Edwidge Dantecott, she's the author of many books, including The Art of Death, which was a National Book Critics Circle finalist, Brother, I'm Dying, which was a National Book Critics Circle Award winner and National Book Award finalist, The Dewbreaker, which was a Penn Faulkner Award finalist. Clearly, she's just not very lauded, (laughs) poor woman. Um, (laughs) Breath, Eyes, Memory, which, you know, The Dream was an Oprah's Book Club selection, and Quick Crack, which was a National Book Award finalist. She's also the recipient of the MacArthur Genius Grant. And of course, she's been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, Harper's, and lots of other places. Suffice it to say, she's an incredible writer. Yes. So should we start by talking about everything inside? Sure. Okay. So it's a collection of eight short stories about community, family, and love. And all the stories are set in Haiti or the United States or both. Did you have a favorite or were, were there? I had a clear favorite. Okay. I don't remember the title. I just remember where it was in the book. Uh-huh. Okay. The first one. I just loved that story. Tell me what you loved about it. I love that it started off and she's taking care of a patient who's dying. And you sort of think, oh, it's going to be about end of life and caretaking and the relationship between these two people. 
And then there's also a daughter of the man who's dying. And you're like, oh, there's going to be this class discussion. And it is partly about all those things, but they're layered in completely different storylines and themes having to do with her husband and her ex-husband and his girlfriend. And then it's about trust. And I was on the edge of my seat wondering what was going to happen. And then every time I thought I understood exactly where the story was going, it went in a completely different direction. Mm. It was the first time in a long time when I thought I just wanted to tell my entire family, like, stop interrupting me. (laughs) I need to know what is happening. I need to be in this world. Just be quiet. And so I really thought this is really masterful writing to be able to to do that. So I love that story. I thought about it a long time afterwards, too. Yeah, I so agree with the point you just made about not knowing where the story is going to turn next. And the conversation that she has with the bar owner at the end, just it took the story to a totally different emotional place that I loved. Yes. I think you can broadly generalize about all of her stories that one of the things that makes them so extraordinary is the individuation, right? So, you know, emotions are are universal. To a certain extent, you know, situations are universal. You know, how many people marry and get divorced? How many people, you know, X, Y, Z. But the particulars of the people and their emotional responses to what's happening in their lives and the way they relate to each other. It's so specific that it's revelatory. Yes. And what's so brilliant about this collection is that all of these individual details and lives that she's creating, they feel quite individual. And yet each story does serve similar themes, right? Of longing and questions about where we belong Mm -hmm. and questions about life and death and trust and betrayal. And straddling two cultures. Exactly. So what was your favorite? So my favorite was Sunrise Sunset, which is the one about Carol who has Alzheimer's. I love that story. I just thought it was a knockout of a story and devastating because the gap between her inner thoughts and outer reality becomes a chasm and you see that unfold. Fascinating, yeah. And also this idea of regret and this idea that you can get to the end of your life and have left things unsaid that you wish you had said, which she also deals with in other stories, right? Right. I remember having that realization myself as a younger person. I think I was a teenager. And without getting too personal, I looked at my grandmother one day and I thought, wow, she regrets having not done this differently with her life. It is possible to get to the end of your life and mm. and know that you should have done things differently. And, and I remember that being a huge revelation to my teenage self and thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yes. But I guess we're all going to do that. Right. (laughs) To a certain extent. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should just start making our peace with all the mistakes now. (laughs) Should we chat about the summer book? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. I I love this book so much as well. Can I just read from the first story? Because I feel like even just the opening of the first vignette. Please. Um shows some of what I love about this book. Okay. This is the very beginning of the book. It was an early, very warm morning in July, and it had rained during the night. The bare granite steamed, the moss and crevices were drenched with moisture, and all the colors everywhere had deepened. Below the veranda, the vegetation in the morning shade was like a rainforest of lush, 
evil leaves and flowers, which she had to be careful not to break as she searched. She held one hand in front of her mouth and was constantly afraid of losing her balance. "'What are you doing?' asked little Sophia. "'Nothing,' her grandmother answered. "'That is to say,' she added angrily, "'I'm looking for my false teeth.'" Yes. 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 And that's what makes this book great, because you have these exquisite descriptions about the physical place, but also about the woman, right? You know, the care she's taking. And then much later in the book, there's this moment where... um, I don't know if we've said that this is a story about a grandmother and a granddaughter on spending summers on this island. I don't think we have. Well, that's what it's about. But at one point, she says to Sophia, I'm certainly not nice. The best you could say about me is that I'm interested. And then she picks up a a fish and bashes its head against a rock. So you've got like this wonderful, salty grandmother who has her fanciful characteristics. And then you have this gorgeous setting so beautifully expressed, and all of that wrapped up in a bow. It's just fantastic. And once again, as with everything inside, you just never know where this is going, right? So in this particular vignette, the granddaughter helps the grandmother find the teeth. It says, I've got them, the child cried and stood up, put them in. And I'm thinking, oh, the grandmother's going to say, I can't put them in. I've got to go soak them in polydent or whatever. (laughs) Or at least, you know, rinse them off in some seawater. Rinse them off something. But no, instead the grandmother says, but you can't watch. That's private. And Sophie says she wants to watch. So the grandmother puts her teeth in with a smacking noise. They went in very easily. It had really hardly been worth mentioning. Like, what what kind of a book (laughs) opens that way? I don't know. And it's just, again, it's a universal thing, right? The grandparent with the false teeth. I remember my grandfather had false teeth. And when my kids were, I think, three and five, they asked him to take them out. And he did. It is their most prominent memory. (laughs) It's like one of the highlights of their childhood was watching their great grandfather take his teeth out. That's fabulous. So one of my favorite moments in this book comes pretty early on. There's this dead forest on the island, and it's actually not completely dead. I think the trees are dead, but of course there are little creatures living there, and there's moss. And But then we find out that the grandmother goes there and finds pieces of wood and carves them into animals, Mm. and that she calls it the magic forest, and she calls what she's doing playing. And this idea of creating for its own sake, not for someone to see or buy or even acknowledge, but just to make it for its own sake. I really touched me, that idea. Yeah. Um, Can I just read this one sentence that I thought was so fabulous in terms of just the level of the writing? Yeah. She's describing a cat, and it's actually two sentences. She says... He was the same color as the island, a light yellowish gray with striped shadings like granite or like sunlight on a sand bottom. When he slipped across the meadow by the beach, his progress was like a stroke of wind through the grass. I just love that. Yeah. The cat's progress was like a stroke of wind through the grass. Who would have thought to describe something that way? It's a gorgeous book. Yeah. Well, we could keep talking about this forever, But I think if we do, then we're going to end up giving away all the best parts. And we don't want to do that for people. So let's just leave it at 
if you decide to read Everything Inside and or the summer book, you will not be sorry. And we want to hear what you think. Yes. Please, please let us know. Yes. You can reach us for that reason or any other at contact at bookdreamspodcast.com. We're on Twitter, too, at bookdreamspod and on Instagram at bookdreamspodcast. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast and think someone else would, too, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many thanks to our associate producer, Gianfranco Lentini, and to our theme music composer, Maya Polsky. You can find Eve at eveohallam.com and me at juliesternberg.com. And check out the podcast website, www.bookdreamspodcast.com. Until next time, happy book dreaming. Happy book dreaming. Love, come listen to Book Dreams with Julie and me.